Hello and welcome back to the Sports Credential Podcast. I'm your host, the editor of the Sports Credential, Stephen Boero. Thank you guys for tuning in to another week and another episode of the Sports Credential Podcast. Happy to be here. we got a great episode ahead of us. Going to be talking all Titans with the big stadium news coming out this morning. But just wanted to say, if you're not already, please give the Sports Credential a follow on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find us on Twitter at the Sports Cred and on Facebook and Instagram at the Sports Credential. Um, and also make sure you're following the Sports Credential podcast uh, and subscribe on Spotify, Apple Music, as well as YouTube. If you're one of those guys that likes to pull up YouTube when you're working or when you're at home and just put on a podcast or putting on a video that have some background noise, we got you covered right there on YouTube if you don't have a Spotify or Apple podcast account. So make sure you follow us because every week you'll get an episode right into your feed and get a notification about it every single week so you don't have to go on there and search and look around for us and do any extra work. You subscribe to us, we'll pop in right there every single week. So obviously, big week for the Titans with the new stadium deal being passed 26 to 12 and the final vote on Metro Council early Wednesday morning. Uh, meeting started at 6.30 on Tuesday because they gave so much time around four hours, to give citizens of Nashville, taxpayers, voters, a chance to uh, opine and give their opinion and their concerns or, or their support. Uh, the meeting ran so late that the final vote wasn't actually until 1240. So 1240, Wednesday morning, April 26th, Metro Council officially passed the Titan Stadium deal, the one, the $2.1 billion deal that would put a new stadium in where Nissan Stadium's parking lot is for the for the Tennessee Titans. Yeah, it was a a long process. I think a lot of people thought uh, th- this would have happened last fall before 2023, but obviously um there's a lot of money. I mean 2.1 billion dollars is nothing to just brush away. I and mean, that's a lot of money and 1.2 billion of that money is coming from uh, taxpayers coming from public funding. So there was a lot that needed to be discussed, a lot that needed to be filtered out and uh, amended and changed to the bill. Not much has changed since it was first, since the Titans and Mayor John Cooper uh, announced the deal, but there were some stuff to need to get worked out. But we're here late April. It's a little late, but that's all right. It's the stadium deals here. Whether you like it or not, it's it's here and it's been worked out. And um, I understand people's concerns with it when it comes to publicly funding because, you know, Nashville is growing at such a rapid rate and they need a lot. Nashville does need a lot. Tennessee needs a lot. And I, I understand people's concerns about public funding going towards a stadium instead of going to something else. But you take a step back and you look at the deal. The money is coming from tourism dollars. It's not coming from nashville taxpayers per se in the sense that they're not they're not being taxed out of their pocket for the stadium deal unless they're they have unless they're uh, staying at a hotel in davidson county or unless they're shopping and dining downtown or unless they're buying tickets and concessions at nissan stadium which items there will be taxed to help fund for the stadium uh, the surrounding campus, which is downtown Nashville, broad, lower Broadway, 
that will be taxable to help pay for the stadium and the hotel occupancy tax. So there's a lot to still unpack and still there's still going to be a whole lot of discussion, especially as the mayor's race heats up uh, this summer. But it's done. It's the it's been passed. It's been argued for hours and hours and hours. Sports Authority passed it on April 4th, I believe, early in the month. And now we're here. Final vote passes 26-12, um, large majority, but still 12 council members uh, stood their ground against it, uh, understandably for certain reasons. But, um, yeah, it's a big – this is a huge deal for the state of Tennessee and for Nashville and for the Titans because a dome stadium, especially a state-of-the-art stadium, it changes – the entire what what the city can do and what the city can host you look at atlanta you look at dallas you look at las vegas you look at la those have always been top destination cities but when you have a stadium that is arguably one of the best or a handful of the best not only in the united states but arguably the world that changes a lot for what they can host for what they can attract and being a dome stadium that, that changes concerts forever i was one of the lucky few who got to see garth brooks last summer before it got stormed out and it was a disaster i mean thunderstorming raining people i mean seventy thousand fans at, at nissan stadium if not a little bit more had to scurry out and you know hide in underneath find some cover because of the nasty thunderstorms that were happening and that, that concert had to be uh re uh that had to be rescheduled that will never happen again at this new stadium because it, it is domed. Uh, CMA Fest, every single year at Nissan Stadium, people from around the country and around the world travel to Nashville to watch some of the best country music superstars perform at CMA Fest. And weather pending, obviously, they're, they're going to perform as long as it's not thunderstorming or tornadoing or anything crazy. But now they don't have to worry about light sprinkle. Now they don't have to worry about the humidity. Now they don't have to worry about anything like that because it's a dome stadium. And with that also brings Super Bowl. And with that also brings Final Four. And with that also brings the, the college playoffs, the college football playoffs. And with the college football playoffs expanding within the next couple of years and this stadium planning to be finished for the 2027 NFL season, um, right now, that's just the the gauging plan. They were hoping for 2026 because this deal got pushed back and back for Metro Council and the rest of the government to uh, pass the bill. Um, now they're looking at 2027 to open the stadium for events, uh, above all, Titans football. But by that time, the college football playoffs will be in full swing. Uh, I mean, it will be expanded. Instead of just being four teams, it looks like it's going to be an 18 playoff or whatever. They're going to expand it, and it's going to be fantastic. And now Nissan Stadium, or whatever that new Titan Stadium is going to be called, it, it's going to be a, definitely a top host for a, a playoff game or even the championship. Uh, Music City Bowl. And instead of being in the cold of winter, now you're in a beautiful indoor stadium in the heart of the South in Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, Geodes Park is a brilliant stadium. It's, uh, it's arguably one of the best soccer-specific stadiums in North America. It's the largest in the U.S. and Canada. Uh, the concessions are great. It's state-of-the-art. It can host concerts. It can host uh, 
corporate events. It's it's just a, it's a great facility all around. Uh, Bridgestone Arena continues to win awards, Pole Star awards, for being one of the best uh, arenas in, in the world in the United States. They're hosting concerts. It's one of the best atmos- hockey atmospheres in the country. It's if you're an opposing team coming in or an opposing fan, I've been an opposing fan at Preds games at Bridgestone Arena. And when you get a goal scored on you, it stinks. It's not fun. And Bridgestone Arena has captured that. And concerts are amazing there. Everyone comes through there. Uh, they have so many events for season ticket holders, for non-sports fans. And Nissan Stadium is kind of fell back these last couple of years. They haven't been able to be that building on the hill type of mark for the city the way that mercedes-benz has become for atlanta the way that jerry world has become for dallas the way that sofi stadium in uh los angeles has become and the way that uh allegiance stadium in las vegas has become kind of like if you're going to have a big event that's needs more, to hold more than fifty thousand people we they got a stadium there whether it be a concert whether it be a major event, whether it be a convention, uh, whether it be NFL football, which is still the biggest and biggest money-making spectator sport in the country. The city is, you know, bound to make billions of dollars off this new stadium. But, you know, coming out of the pandemic with, you know, serious issues hitting a city, I understand the issues regarding or the concerns regarding having taxpayers pay for this bill. It is the largest uh, publicly funded NFL stadium in history, which is, I mean, it's not a good look. I'm not going to lie. You're dealing with billionaires and organizations that are worth billions of dollars, even though they may not have that liquid cash on hand, their worth is still a billion dollars or more. NFL is a multi-billion dollar industry and organization. Uh, So I understand the concerns and, people being upset about them not paying for the stadium. But in the long run, I think it's safe to say that if Nashville continues on this path of being a hot city for tourists, being a hot city for destinations, for event destinations, um, within the next 10 to 20 years, Nashville is going to continue to host big events. And it's not going to be a flash in the pan. It's not like, oh, over a 10-year period, Nashville is able to host uh, the Super Bowl and the Final Four and the Grammys and WrestleMania. It, it's gonna. This is going to last for a very long time. I mean, Nashville is Music City. It's always been Music City, and we've seen the Grammys move around a little bit. They're always in LA, but we saw them. They were at the Prudential Center in Newark, it, with a dome stadium like this new stadium. If it's top tier, state of the art, do not be surprised if. Like an award show like the Grammy says, we're going to do Nashville one year. We're, we're going to give Nashville the spotlight as Music City on music's biggest night or whatever they call it. So it's going to affect every aspect of the Nashville industry. And also we saw how when you look at New Orleans, uh, the Superdome, the way they were able to house all those people and become a relief place during Hurricane Katrina. That means a lot. That's a big deal. And, you know, God forbid a serious natural disaster, a serious issue would ever hit Nashville. That stadium being enclosed, being state-of-the-art, no no water issues, no electric issues, no issues with the foundation like we're seeing right now with Nissan. 
if there were ever an issue that we need to house thousands of people, this stadium is an opportunity to house them. So this is going to put Nashville on a completely different sphere. It's going to put them up there with Atlanta, with Chicago, with New York, with L.A., with the big cities in the United States because now they can host a top-tier events. That's the biggest reason why Nashville wasn't able to host, uh, get a, become a renamed a host city for the 2026 World Cup. They had everything. They had the entertainment. They had the hotels. They had the growing soccer community. They were able, they had the proof that they could host a major event similar to, you know, when hosting the All-Star Games, the NHL All-Star Games, hosting the NHL Stanley Cup Finals, hosting the uh, NFL Draft. I mean, hosting CMA Fest and the 4th of July Bash every single year with millions of people coming through downtown Nashville. Even we saw this past weekend with the uh, St. Jude Rock and Roll Marathon, uh, 24,000 people uh, participated in the uh, marathon. And that doesn't even include family and friends that tagged along with them. I mean, it was a huge event with thousands and thousands of people. And if you weren't participating in the marathon on Saturday morning, but you were out and about around noon on Saturday, you couldn't tell that there was a huge marathon with over 20,000 people participating because Nashville has become that good at hosting events and hosting and getting stuff done. I mean, we see with the Music City Grand Prix every year in Nashville, it keeps getting better. It's organized. They're able to get all those people inside Nashville and especially a certain part of Nashville. And they've been able to capitalize on making it a fantastic event without making kind of a cluster of a disaster of logistics or anything like that. Nashville can host events. They're fantastic at hosting events and they've proven that. And they were so close to getting a world cup host city, but what was holding them back? The stadium. Now that the stadium couldn't hold enough people, Nissan stadium hold up to 70,000 fans. It was the fact that it was a deteriorating stadium uh, that had significant issues in the foundation and the the electrical and the water that we saw issues with this past season uh, with the, the freeze that happened, that Nissan Stadium had serious issues. This won't happen at this new stadium, or if it were, it'd be a freak accident. Uh, once again, this is all just talking speculation. I'm not a electrician or a scientist or anything that goes into what could go wrong or what may go wrong. But when you look at the facts and you look at what's happened, the situations, it's hard to say that this new stadium, it's not going to have the same issues that Nissan Stadium has had these past few years. And those issues have have become issues that were just internal, and now they're external, where fans and other people can walk around the stadium and the facility and say, yeah, this isn't uh, this isn't top class. This isn't top tier anymore. And it used to be, but they rushed the stadium so much back in the, at the, in the early 2000s, the late 90s, that I just don't think it was – they just wanted to get the stadium ready so the Titans could move in and have a permanent home and play. But obviously, they just let it deteriorate without actually handling the issue. And that also had to do with the uh, the lease. The lease was a, a very poor lease where the city was on the hook for everything, and the city owned uh, – uh, I mean, the city owes the Titans like millions and millions and millions of dollars – 
in facility upgrades because that's what the lease was, was the city was going to pay for that. And the city didn't hold up that end of the bargain. So the Titans were owed a lot of money. And part of that new lease is they kind of let that slide. Then they just like let it go. And now the Titans are responsible for any and all new upgrades. They need a whole new water system. That's going to be paid for by the Titans. There is a crack in the foundation. That's going to be paid for by the Titans. Um, the electrical goes haywire and the stadium catches on fire. That's going to be paid for by the, the Titans. The city's no longer on hook for the for the any and all upgrades or rebuilding or anything like that. So, yeah, up front, the taxpayers, Nashville is paying for this new stadium. A lot of money, I mean $1.2 billion out of a $2.1 billion venture. Um, but the lease is 10 times better, <laughs> 10 times, probably 100 times better compared to the, the lease that was signed when the Titans first moved here. So there's a lot more to unpack. There's, there's going to be a lot to look forward to as, uh, as we get closer to shovels going into the ground. And once shovels go into the ground... Uh, the situation is going to change completely because now they're going to have a clock ticking to get that stadium ready as soon as possible so they can get the Titans in there. They can have people come and tour the stadium to see if it'll be a good host site because there's still major events coming to the United States, international events coming to the United States. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised. I think the U.S. is up for a uh, Women's World Cup. That's Nissan Stadium. The new Titan Stadium would be a great place to host it. The Women's and Men's Rugby World Cup is coming to the U.S. in about 8 to 10 years, I believe. Nashville's going to be at the forefront of that. Um, there's going to be countless uh, soccer tournaments. I mean, obviously, the World Cup probably won't be coming back to America for at least another 12-plus, maybe even 20 years. But there are going to be countless Copa Americas, U.S. Golden Cup, um, other different soccer tournaments, whether it be just within the continental United States, whether it be North and South America, uh, Nissan, uh, this I keep saying Nissan Stadium, but this new Titan Stadium is going to be the crown jewel of Tennessee and Nashville. And it's going to put Nashville over the edge because Nashville's already there when it comes to hosting events. I've said this already in this podcast is Nashville's already there. They, they, they can host a, a major event. They can welcome millions of tourists and fans and whatever into the city for a short period of time and certain locations, usually downtown lower Broadway, and they can host them without issue, without debacle, without disaster. And they don't have that stadium to host that event, whether it be a major concert, a major festival or that major hosting uh, uh, sporting event like the world cup which is at the end of the day the world cup uh the super bowl events like that are the crown jewel of sports when it comes to a major event and if nashville can't host that they're not there yet regardless how well they can host the nfl draft or the nhl all-star game which are great and they bring in a lot of money and a lot of fans, but they're not the Super Bowl. They're not the World Cup. And until they can't do that, they, until they can do that, Nashville's not going to be there at the top of an event city. But with this new stadium, they're going to surpass everyone. They're going to surpass everyone. And it's going to be really exciting to see. 
And I won't be surprised that there's going to be drama to ensue about certain, you know, everything that goes involved into building a brand new stadium. Because it's not just the stadium. It's going to be part of the whole East Bank deal with green space and family-friendly restaurants and shopping area to kind of give uh, people another area uh, downtown to go that isn't Broadway, that isn't live music, partying, drinking, stuff like that. Any news that comes around with the stadium, the Titans, anything like that, we're going to have you covered, so make sure you follow us. Now, moving on to our next topic, still Titans. Uh, Tomorrow is the NFL Draft. And there's there's so much to just dive into, and there's so much to break down. But I want to keep it Titans. I want to keep it Titans. There's so there's still there's so much to talk about what, along the NFL, who's going where, what deals need to be made. There's still the Lamar Jackson issue if he's gonna stay in, in Baltimore. Um, obviously, earlier this week, Aaron Rodgers and the Jets, the Jets and the Packers finally came to. Uh, a trade agreement to send Aaron Rodgers to the Jets. So Aaron Rodgers is a New York Jet after the weeks of speculation, after the the interviews and the comments made by Aaron Rodgers and everything. That, so that's done. So that's done. Uh, right now it's pretty much the draft, and I'd like to focus on just the Titans for the draft because there's still a lot of speculation about where the Titans, what the Titans will do, and you know where they will go and who will be their first pick and will they trade up? Will they trade back? So I'd like to focus more on that and to what I think the Titans will do, what I think the Titans should do. And if they do decide to draft a trade up where they should be drafting. So, so far this off season rank Carthon, his uh, front office team, along with Mike Vrabel have done a pretty good job with some signings, getting some, uh, decent signings, uh, obviously extending Jeffrey Simmons, which was a huge deal. That guy is an, I mean, he's going to be one of the best defensive players in all the NFL next year and the years to come. He's going to be on the level with the JJ Watt and Aaron Donald and uh, TJ Watt, all those guys, either they're going to be, uh, he's going to be one of the best. So that was a fantastic move to lock him up, which shows that they're dedicated to still being competitive. If they weren't going to be competitive, they definitely wouldn't have trade uh, signed Jeffrey to a long term deal worth that much. So that begs the question: What direction are they going to be going into into this draft? And um, Derrick Henry still Titan, even with the ridiculous rumors this past weekend about Derrick Henry being traded to the Eagles of all teams. It was just ridiculous. There was no there was no reality to it. Uh, Rand Carthon had a uh, press conference earlier this week saying that's a bunch of malarkey. So I think people, and also we heard earlier this year about Derrick Henry not being shopped per se, but almost ran uh, talking to other teams almost about possible trades for Derrick. I mean, he was a new, he's a new GM. He's a new GM for the Titans, and he's got one of the best players in the league but the team is in an interesting spot without a real legit quarterback, depending on how you view Tannehill uh, after a bad season with a lot of holes. Uh, of course, he's going to be talking to all the executives around the league and say, Hey, if we were to trade Derrick Henry to you, what could we get for him? Just to see, just to kind of test the waters to see where the feelings are about 
Derrick Henry and see if he could get something that would rebuild the team and set the team up for the future. Because even though Derrick is one of the best players in the league, and I, I believe the best running back in the league, and this offense is built around him, he is an aging running back. And that means only a few more years left. This isn't a guy that's going to be playing for the next seven years, sadly, because that's the way running backs career spans go. Um, I'd say three to four years, Derrick Henry's still going to be at the top of his game. And even then in that third or fourth year, we could be looking at significant downgrading, but this offense is still a Derrick Henry offense. It's still a running forward offense. So if they were to trade Derrick away, they would have to completely change how the offense is set up. And it's going to be, that'd be very significant in how the coaches that he hired, Mike Brabel hired this off season, because he did clear house a little bit with his coaching staff. So it doesn't seem like he hired anyone that would be a QB whisperer or someone that was just hired anyone on his staff or promoted anyone in his staff that would have been more running back forward or more, wide receiver passing quarterback game forward. Um, so I don't think there's going to be a huge change. I think Henry's here to stay regardless of what rumors or people like to talk about, about trading up in the draft. I think Derek is kind of off the table because I still feel that. And I, I, I believe they still feel that keeping Derek for another two to three years is still going to be the most optimal way to get into the playoffs and be a championship contender. Um, but the biggest concern is quarterback and offensive line. So let's look at it. Titans currently hold the hold the number 11 pick. Uh, this is a pretty good uh, draft year, especially for quarterbacks. And it seems like the world's still kind of split on Ryan Tannehill. It's not that big. It's not that close of a split. As I'd probably say 70-30, 70% thinking that, uh, that Ryan Tannehill is is not the guy for the job. Um, he's proven at times that he is the guy, and sadly he's proven why he's not the guy. So that's why it makes his decision so much more difficult. It's not like other quarterbacks we've seen in the league, like uh, Sam Darnold, who struggled in New York, then went to Carolina and continued to struggle there, or even other quarterbacks that have proven that they're not in any way, shape, or form top-tier quarterbacks in the NFL that are worthy or even good enough to put you put a team over the edge to make the playoffs. A Mitch Trubisky, we saw him in Chicago. We saw him in uh, Pittsburgh this past season. So, But he's, Tannehill's definitely not in that situation. But he's also not a Justin Herbert. He's also not a Joe Burrow. He's also not definitely not a Patrick Mahomes-type quarterback. He, he, he He's not that elite quarterback that – this guy is a future. This guy can be a championship contender. We've seen moments of brilliance from Ryan. We've seen moments of head scratching uh, from Ryan. I think the one game that everyone keeps using, and rightfully so, I mean, after this next season, might be kind of done to keep using this example. But uh, his performance against uh, Cincinnati during the 2022 playoffs excuse me, the 2021, the 2021, 2022 playoffs. Yeah. That season where Titans, even without Derrick Henry, they were able to win a ton of games and be the number one overall seed 
in the AFC with Derrick Henry coming back from injury uh, in the playoffs. The defense was awesome. The defense was amazing that day. Sacked Joe Burrow close to 10 times, something ridiculous, and they still found a way to lose. And Derrick Henry, uh, excuse me, Ryan Tannehill threw three interceptions that day, including on the first play of the game including the third and the final drive of the game, that which would have most likely led to a Titans touchdown or field goal, which would have either given them the win or the draw and headed to overtime or whatever. But it would have either been a game-tying or game-go-ahead score. And he choked, and he, he fell flat. And we saw in the offseason John Robinson, when he was still the GM, when – Asked about that season and asked about that loss, he got emotional. He started to tear up because I think he and I think a lot of people, a lot of fans, sorry fans, a lot of people knew that that was their moment. That was their season. That was their, that one window. You just need to, that open, that window to be open just a little bit so you can push through to make a real run for a Super Bowl. And I think a lot of people believe that that was their window and they blew it. So which is a shame, but, you know, football is a funny sport. NFL is a wild league, so, I mean, anything could happen. So much can happen. I think we saw how how crazy the Eagles came out this year. Everyone knew the Eagles were going to be good. I don't think they knew they were going to be this good. Maybe Eagle fans, because they always think they're going to be good. But this, this Eagles team was fantastic this year, and they made a great run to the Super Bowl, but obviously Kansas City came out, came out on top. But so – there's still a lot of work to be done with this Titans team. And I don't think it's safe to say this team is either going to be a championship contender or that they're going to be a bottom feeder. Cause we saw with this past season, they had, they started off great and they had some great moments, but then seven straight losses, at the end of the season and missing the playoffs by one loss. So they're, they're kind of in this limbo stage right now where they could go full rebuild or they can go all in, or they can kind of do a half ass version of, a rebuild and do a, a quote-unquote retool, which is the word I, I think the Titans like to use at the moment. It's not a rebuild, it's a retool. And what that retooling, the most important thing, is going to be offensive line. It, the offensive line was horrible this year. We saw Taylor Lewan get cut and kind of officially retire. We saw that certain players that the Titans were hoping to be productive players didn't really turn out uh, on offensive line. It was a disaster, and the offensive line was even halfway decent this past season. The Titans may have been able to win a game or two, and I I truly believe that because plays that ended in disaster, uh, a close third-down play, a drive that was pushing down the field but then choked somewhere in midfield would have been those plays, those moments would have come to fruition if the offensive line was competent, if they were strong, if they were healthy. Um they would have been able to finish some of those close plays. They would have been able to push down the field and finish drives and score. Um, so I truly stand by that the offensive line is the most important thing. I think everyone agrees with that. But, of course, without a championship quarterback, without a you know top 10 quarterback, it's it's nearly impossible, impossible to be in the, uh, court, the Super Bowl conversation. But I still think that without an offensive line, you could have Tom Brady in his prime. But if the offensive line stinks, he's not going to win more than eight or nine games. That might be good enough to go to the playoffs, but that's not good enough to win a championship. 
So let's take a look. Right now, the Titans have a the 11th pick in the draft, and uh, here are two offensive linemen that I keep seeing popping up in mock drafts. The first one being uh, out of Northwestern, Peter Skoronsky, 6'4", 313 pounds. He was a junior. Um, his overall prospect grade at the uh, Combine was 6.73 overall with a uh, with a had a next gen stat of uh, 89 overall, which is good. Uh, that's what that's what they rank it as is good. Um, he's a great. He, he, we saw how much how of a tank he was at Northwestern. He started almost every single game his junior year and sophomore year. Um, he, he was a a Big Ten all Big Ten player for Northwestern. If you look at some of his uh, combine results, he participated in almost every single result. Uh, did 30 reps, the bench press, broad jump, 9 feet, 7 inches. Uh, his vertical jump, 34.5 inches, and a 40-yard dash in 5.16 seconds. So he's got speed, he's big, uh, and he's kind of a workhorse. And I, I I've always used that word. I use it in my stories. I've used it in this podcast a lot of times. Because you need a workhorse, especially when it comes to the offensive line. You need certain players to be workhorses. You need a wide receiver or a tight end to be a workhorse. You need an offensive lineman that can be a workhorse. They don't have to be the best player on the field, but they need to be someone that you can work into the ground, and the next day he still gets back up and he can still work his butt off. And he can be trustworthy and reliable. He doesn't need to be you know, the best player on the team but he needs to be able to put in the work and show up every day and be the best that he he can be. And I think that Skoronsky could uh, be that guy. If you go on NFL.com, they have all the prospects and they have their strengths and their weaknesses. So anyone could be their own uh, scout or their own GM. Uh, you know, some of his strengths were uh, set out on the explosive kick side into his diagonal sets, uses proactive hand to attack first, Excellent footwork and hand usage to counter and collect risk. Very, very important. Uh, base stays wide and balanced throughout the rep. Clear understanding of the position and angles at that point of attack. Very, very, very important. is, is uh, Not to just be big and physical, but it's to know what to do regardless of your size or the guy's size in front of you. Uh, high football IQ, and I think that's one of the more important things an offensive lineman needs to have. That's not really talked about. Everyone talks about high IQ among the position players, like a like a safety or a running uh, a running back or a wideout, or obviously a quarterback. But I think a high football IQ and understanding your position and being a master of your position is so important on the offensive line, especially at the tackle positions when you're dealing with super fast and physical. Uh, defensive edge rushers but when you look at some of his weaknesses throws punch a tick late from the outside angles needs to alter his pass sets and hand attacks to become less predictable and beaten by long arm rush moves and driven into the pocket which a executive for an nfc team said to a source according to nfl.com he's a pro bowler at guard but an average tackle if a team keeps him there so when you look at some of those weaknesses, beaten by long arm rush moves, driven into the pocket, throws punch a tick late from an outside angle, 
Titans needed a, a left tackle really badly. Um, there, there's still moves that can be made. There's still options they can pick up in the draft when it comes to the tackle position. But is this guy going to be the left tackle? Probably not. They need a left tackle, but this guy is not it. But they also desperately need a right guard. And if people are saying, executives are saying that he's a pro baller or guard, he might be the perfect fit for a right guard. And they still need that position. They need a left tackle, but they need a guard right now desperately. So this guy would be, I think, I think personally would be a perfect uh, with the number 11's overall pick. Another offensive lineman that has been kind of mentioned in mock drafts for the Titans is uh, Paris Johnson Jr. out of the Ohio State University. Uh, he's a great player, uh, 82 overall uh, grade by the next gen stats. 313 pounds, six foot six, and he's a junior. Uh, played a lot of games for Ohio State, a, a really good Ohio State, especially this past season, covering C.J. Stroud, who was one of the best players in uh, all of college football and is probably going to be a top three pick in the NFL draft. So when you see the quarterback that plays, it's almost like that saying, behind every great man is a great woman. Well, every, behind every great quarterback is a fantastic offensive line. So anytime you see a great quarterback and a great offense, go right to the offensive line because without those guys up front, that offense, that quarterback wouldn't be able to be, perform at the way they are. So you look at Johnson Jr., his broad jump was nine foot two inches, uh, bench press with 29 reps. He's another really, really solid pickup in the first round, and he is a tackle. So that is a big... Uh, would be a big get for the Titans if they decide to go with someone who is more who'd be better at tackle than a guy who might be the best offensive lineman in the entire draft with Skoronsky. Um, he's a lot of people are saying he is the best offensive lineman in the entire draft. So that would be a decision they have to make. Do they go with Skoronsky, who's the best uh, offensive lineman in the entire draft class, but he's not going to fit at tackle, but he will fit at guard, which is a big need. Or do you draft someone with that first overall pick, like Johnson Jr., Paris Johnson Jr., who can play that left tackle position or even that right tackle position? Let's look at some of his strengths that are listed here. Versatility to play guard or tackle. Huge. We saw the injuries this past season with the Titans and moving guys around from guard to tackle, tackle to guard, and they just absolutely just blew up in their faces. It was, it was a disaster. It was like watching film of your high school football team of a guy being playing a position for the first time. I mean, these guys were getting run over. They couldn't stop anything. Henry couldn't get through a hole. Uh, Tannehill or Malik or whoever was playing quarterback were not, were not giving enough time to throw the ball. Uh, they weren't able to read the defensive backfield once the ball was snapped. It was a disaster. So to have a guy like Paris Johnson Jr., who's versatile, can play guard or tackle, but is a tackle, would be a huge get for the Titans. More strengths at inside hand thumbs and gathers counter moves, important for a tackle position. Shuffles feet and ride rides rusher around the arc, which is extremely important for a tackle, which is where the Titans really struggled this past season, is having guys defend around the arc and cr helping create that pocket. Athletic talent to make recoveries at a variety of angles. So, this guy is kind of the best of both worlds. He's not the best offensive lineman in the draft as Skoronsky, but he's probably second best, third best, and would be a fantastic pickup by the Titans because he's versatile. 
and he can play at different angles. Uh, he's got great footwork, and he can play a guard or a tackle. Let's look at some of his uh, weaknesses. Not much pop on contact, below average securing the first block on combo blocks, bent at the waist and, la- and lacks uh, ideal leverage as run blocker, very average body control through rush contact. So it looks like his biggest weaknesses are coming when it comes to run blocking and rushing. So he might be a better fit at left tackle to help defend that uh, blind side for the quarterback instead of being a guard, helping create plays, helping making room for Derek or whoever's uh, the running back to get through and get some, pick up some yards. So these are two really, really good offensive linemen, both big, both young, both proven at big 10 schools. It just depends on whether the Titans want the best guy who plays guard or do they want a guy who's not the best overall, but might be the best pure tackle in the draft, but who can also be very versatile and play guard as well. Cause we saw with the turnover with injuries last year, with the Titans, how offensive linemen were moving positions from guard to tackle to center we saw it and it just did not work out. So having a guy that can play guard and tackle at a very high expectation could be the move for the Titans, but there's still a lot to talk about in regards to quarterback is Ryan Tannehill, that guy. And a lot of people say, no, a lot of people say, yeah, yeah, yeah. That he could still be the guy. It's really hard to gauge what the front office and what Mike Vrabel still thinks because Mike Vrabel is the king of telling you one thing and the next day something else happens. Not that he's a liar, but he's just not going to tell you everything. It's just not who he is. He's really good at playing a poker face. And when you ask him, is, do you guys think you're going to get a different quarterback than Ryan Tannehill? He would say, we're going to keep our options open, but right now Ryan Tannehill is our quarterback. That's the same stuff he'll continue to get regardless if Ryan T- he's going to have Ryan Tannehill in his office later to cut him or whatever. I'm not saying that's going to happen, but like that's the type of guy he is. We saw that at the end of the year press conference when they asked him about uh, coaching coaching staff issues. He, he really didn't say much on it, and later that day he cut his entire coaching staff. So it's really hard to gauge where the Titans are going to go and whether they still are on the Tannehill train or whether they're going to go in a different direction. But a lot of people, because there is a need at quarterback for the Titans, and a lot of people don't believe in Tannehill anymore, a lot of mock drafts are saying that the Titans are going to go at quarterback or even trade up to go at quarterback. And there's a couple guys that come up. Uh, one mock draft said that Titans will dra- trade up to number three for C.J. Stroud, or they'll hang out at uh, 11 and pick up one of two quarterbacks that keep coming up. Will Levis out of uh, Kentucky and Hendon Hooker out of the University of Tennessee. Now, I'll tell you one thing. I do not think the Titans should trade up because they don't have a whole lot to give away. The players they do have need to be on their team, and the draft picks they do have, they need to keep them because they need to retool to keep using that word. Um, They should not be trading up, and they should not be trading up but there's conversations about them trading up to number three for Arizona to get a quarterback, and that quarterback will most likely be C.J. Stroud or Anthony Richardson or maybe even Will Levis. Because Will Levis at first was thinking about being a mid-first-round pick, but it looks like now, for some reason, they're saying he could go. He could be one of the top ten picks going first. So 
that would change a lot if the Titans if the Titans were really hell bent on getting Will Levis, that they might trade up to get him if uh, if it felt like that other teams were going to get them before them at the number eleven pick. So let's go and look at Will Levis's combine and look at some of his stats uh, while last season at Kentucky. He led Kentucky to two fantastic seasons uh, in twenty twenty one and twenty twenty two leading to bold games and picking up big wins against teams. Uh, they were a Kentucky team that hasn't really been seen for a while. Um, he's a 229, a 229 pounds and sitting at 6'4". He's ranked overall uh, 81 by next-gen stats. Well, that's good. It's not great. Um, one NFC team executive said people are being too hard on him from what I'm seeing in the media he was hurt for most of the year and gutted it out. Uh, he's a good teammate. He's big and he has arm talent. I like the pro potential a lot. He just needs to get healthy and keep working at it. So he could be a great quarterback for the Titans, but once again, he needs to get healthy. And if he needs to get healthy, he needs a good offensive lineman around him because if he's not hundred percent healthy and he's out in that field and that offensive line continues to fall apart, it doesn't matter. He's going to have issues. But regardless, let's just focus on Will at the moment. Some of his strengths, according to his combine report, was a prototypical size and build for NFL quarterback. So he already fits the mold for being an NFL quarterback. He has experience taking snaps under center, um, setting him up good to be a, a handoff to Derrick Henry and be a good team player into the rush game. Athletic passer, when working off platform, releases Releases compact, uh, twitchy, and effortless. Extremely tough and played through injuries in 2022. That's a big deal to me, at least, and to show that he's not going to be a walking injury. He's not going to be some guy that's going to be play two games, off for three games, play two games, off for one game, or you're going to give him a massive contract, but he's only going to play a quarter of the games because he's going to be suffering from injury. He's had injury last year, which is a concern, but he played through it. And he was still, they were still able to be a good and competent team, Kentucky. So those were some of the big things that I look at when you want to draft a quarterback. And I think because his uh, final year at Kentucky wasn't a fully healthy year, his potential is really high. And he's not getting the credit I think he deserves, what that NFL executive said. Um, I'm still not that high and mighty on him. I think he has the potential to be a good uh, quarterback in the NFL. But I'm not sure if I'm willing to bet on it. If I'm in the Tennessee, Tennessee Titans, if I was somewhere in the top 10, not not number 11, and you needed a quarterback, I probably would draft him. But with the Titans' need right now and them sitting at number 11, I'm not sure if he's really worth it. But um, he still has a lot of talent, and his his ceiling hasn't been hit yet. So that's the thing. That's, the, that's what the questions are. Where is his ceiling? Is it going to be as good as it was in 2021, 2022? Which may not cut it in the NFL, but if his ceiling's a lot higher because we haven't seen his full uh, potential, he could be a, a, a Pro Bowl quarterback within a couple of years. So let's look at another quarterback that keeps popping up who I think is very underrated. Uh, I'm not sure if he's the best fit for the Titans, but he's very, very underrated, and he should be drafted way higher than I think people are giving him credit for. And I think with this his last 24 to 48 hours, his name is popping up a lot more because I think teams recognize him. And that's Tennessee's Hendon Hooker. 
Hendon Hooker was a uh, was a ama- I mean, he he should have been a finalist for the Heisman Trophy last year, but sadly because of injury, he wasn't. But they were amazing team last year. Tennessee, the college football playoff contender, obviously didn't make it with that loss to South Carolina, but amazing team. Being a a bowl contender, uh, setting up the t- this Tennessee team for the future, and a huge part of that was Hendon Hooker's performance. He was a redshirt senior, so he's a little bit older, which means which is good for experience. But also, if he's not ready to go right away, adding years onto his you know career, it's not great. The younger the guy is, the better. At least the way that, that's the way most teams look at it. Uh, Two hundred seventeen pounds, six three. Uh, next gen stats had him at an eighty six. He suffered from injuries last year. He won uh, the SEC Offensive Player of the Year and was named third team Associated Press All-American. He threw over 3,000 yards with a 70% completion rating, uh, 27 scores with just two interceptions, and a rushing for 430 yards uh, with uh, five touchdowns and 11 starts. But he suffered a torn ACL the end of the season. It was devastating for Tennessee. I mean, he was such an amazing player to see him finish out the season with Tennessee and win that bowl game would have been amazing. And he probably would have been maybe not the Heisman trophy winner, but definitely the finalist probably coming in in second place, but he got snubbed because of the injury, which I think was a, a huge injustice. And I think he kind of got forgotten in those last couple weeks of the college football season, uh, in the playoffs and the bowls and all that stuff. So, um, the guy is really talented. He's got a high football IQ, which is very important, and he has experience. Now, he's at an age where it's a little bit worrisome if he's going to be that guy. He's 25. He's going to turn 26 in January. Um, so I understand there could be a little bit concerned about him being a little bit older. Maybe has he hit his his uh, his prime, and even with the injury, is he – has he hit his prime already? And now with the injury, he's going to hold him back. So I definitely understand those concerns. But pure talent-wise and smarts-wise, he's, I think he would be a fantastic fit at tennis, uh, with the Tennessee Titans. And I think he would be a good fit in almost any team. And I think he deserves a real shot. Uh, when he's healthy and working with the team, he, he's going to be one of the most exciting quarterbacks in the NFL. I, I will stand by by saying that. As someone who watched him all season – uh, this past college football season. He is a, a top-tier player that deserves a lot more credit than he's getting right now with, uh, with all these mock drafts. And these are this is someone he could they could definitely take with the number 11. I don't think they would have to uh, trade up to get him or even Will Levis, but there's all this talk right now. This is where the craziness happens during NFL draft, during the, uh, the, the last 48 hours of the draft. Certain players start to get hype. Certain uh, people start hearing from sources and teams that they're going after these players, and this is where the mayhem starts. This is where the drama starts of teams that want players that were hoping to get them lower in the draft, but now may have to trade up and completely flip their draft uh, ideas on their head to pick up certain players. And Will Levis might be one of those guys. As someone that was looking at more maybe early mid in uh, the first round of the draft, now it looks like it could be a top 10 pick even earlier than that. And if that were to be the case and the Titans were really hell-bent on getting him, they would have to trade up for him. And that could that would turn the entire draft on its head. And it, it could wind up being either one of the best moves in Titans history or it could be the move that ended Mike Vrabel and Rand Carthon's early careers. 
Um, once again, this is all speculation. Uh, tomorrow night is going to be tons of fun to watch. I'm really excited. I know I'll be paying attention and refreshing Twitter every 10 seconds like y'all will uh, see what will be happening, especially after those first four or five picks. Uh, everything will start to get a little bit crazier. Hopefully it won't be as crazy as last year for the Titans with uh, trading away A.J. Brown, but you never know. Anything could happen. This is the NFL draft. Is by far the wackiest, uh, most entertaining, and uh, most unpredictable draft among professional sports here in the U.S. and North America. So with all these with these discussions that we've been having, uh, with all these possibilities, who do I think the Titans should draft? With all this, I still stand by that regardless of who they get at quarterback, uh, doesn't matter if it's Aaron Rodgers, doesn't matter if it's Tom Brady, doesn't matter if if it's Hendon Hooker or Will Levis or Malik Willis, if they don't have an offensive line, they're not going to be able to win anything. So my pick is, is it's really tight between Paris Johnson Jr. or Peter Skoronsky. My pick, my prediction, who I think the Titans should go for and will go for is Paris Johnson Jr. And he's someone that's versatile and can play both guard and tackle and could strive at left tackle. Because once they have that left tackle position, Everything else can follow through. Everything else can fall in, and they can build a team, and they can build an offense around this fantastic offensive line when they already have a great offensive weapon like Derrick Henry. And we haven't seen Traylon Burke's full potential just yet, so there's still a lot of questions and still a lot of uh, positives going into this next season. With that left tackle with Paris Johnson Jr., they could be set for some great seasons and some great offense, even with Ryan Tannehill. Um, that doesn't mean they can't get a quarterback during the season and trade for a quarterback. It doesn't mean they can they can go for a quarterback next season and the next year's draft because there are going to be some great quarterbacks coming up as well. But I think my final my final choice, who I think the Titans should, I think they will go for is Paris Johnson Jr. So that's my two cents about the NFL draft. It's going to be super exciting. I know I'm pumped to watch it. I hope you guys are too. Uh, we will have you covered at the Sports Credential with all the trades or any moves and the uh, picks the Titans have. So be sure to follow us on social media because we will have you covered there. And I can't wait to talk to you guys next week about uh, kind of going through the draft and what's next for the Titans. Hopefully we can have a guest on or two to talk about that. I'll keep you guys updated. Uh, follow me at SJ Boero Sports on Twitter. I'll be tweeting and following along with the draft with you guys. Well, that's all we have here for this episode. Thank you guys for tuning in. I hope you didn't mind uh, all Titans talk because there's just so much going on. Be sure to follow the Sports Credential on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You can follow the Sports Credential on Twitter at the Sports Cred. And be sure to subscribe to the Sports Credential podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, as well as YouTube. And every week you will get a new episode right into your feed. Don't need to go looking for it. You'll get a notification, and the episode will be right there for you. Once again, huge weekend ahead of us. Happy draft week. Uh, hope you guys enjoy it. Hope you guys uh, don't freak out too much, and hopefully the Titans won't give you guys too many heart attacks this weekend for the draft. Thank you guys for tuning in. Once again, I'm your host, Stephen Boero, and I can't wait to talk to you guys next week and review this NFL draft and preview the Titans for next season. Thank you guys, and I look forward to talk to you guys next time.